Well, welcome to the Empower Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and ultimately empowers you to influence people and transform cities. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, It's so great to be with you and bringing the word um, here tonight. Um, As Paul said, my name's Kerry. Um, I'm a life group leader here. Um, And we're going to be getting into our Overcomers series tonight, um, which is going to be great. Before we get into anything, um, I just wanted to take a moment to um, really um, honour our lead pastors here tonight. So Pastors Paul and Kate, you know, we're so thankful for you, uh, for both of you, for your service to this church. Um, You know, we don't take it lightly. And so church, can we honour Pastors Paul and Kate here tonight? So this week, we, um, we kick off our Overcomers series, um, and over the next few weeks, we'll be unpacking what it means to live a life that overcomes the different things that we might come against both internally and externally in our lives. Specifically, over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at um, a particular scripture, um, and that's 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And um, we're, we're going to be looking at this to understand it, how to live this kind of life. And um, tonight, we're going to look at that too, and I'm just going to tack on a verse either side of that. So let's turn there now. So we're going to go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 to 5, and it says, In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. There's our scripture. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So before we go any further, um, one of the first questions that we have to ask here is, what is the world? Well, the world, it's the place that you and I live, but um, in the Bible, the world is often used to describe a place where the powers of darkness also live, powers that would seek to corrupt and deceive all that is good. The world is often described to be a place where love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are not humanity's first response where you and I make intentional and unintentional decisions and actions that hurt people and separate us from God. If we're talking about the world in this scripture, these are some of the things that we're describing and talking about. And if this is the kind of world that we live in, then our lives are not always going to be easy ones. You know, I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you just knew that things were not going to be straightforward, where you just, you're like, oh, this is not going to be easy, is it? For me, there's um, a few moments that come to mind. Um, A few years ago, I bought myself a brand new car. Now, I was excited. I was so proud of myself. Um, But then one day, I was going to work for a meeting. Now, this, the silly thing about this is that I didn't even have to be there. Um, I was going in on my day off. I thought that I should probably go in because I'd not been to any of the other meetings. So I thought it probably, I probably should go to this meeting. 
So I pull into work and um, I pull into the car park, the kind of concrete jungle kind of thing. And um, there's one spare car park. Now, this car park, the kind of speed bump at the front of it was orange. The rest of, the rest of them were yellow. And I'm like, huh, I can't see anything else that's different about this car park. We'll just go with it. So I pull into this car park. And it was at that moment that I realized that it was a small car, car park. Now, it wasn't painted on the ground like the rest of them were, but I realized this in this moment because I had just done a nice big scrape up the concrete upright next to this small car, car park. Now, $1,000 down the drain on this silly small car, car park where I didn't even need to be at work. I was going in on my day off. Oh, it was at that moment where I knew that things were not going to be easy. The frustrating thing about this was that the previous car that I had had and driven for five years, there was not a single issue with the paintwork, but all of a sudden, I bought a new car, and then we have issues. Second moment, you're judging me right now, right? I'm a bad driver. Second moment is, um, is where, also related to my car and its paintwork and myself single-handedly keeping the local panel beetle in business, um, was that I get home one day and um, this is kind of like what our house is like because um, up until a few months ago, we've got five adults living under the same roof. And so that means that our front yard is a little bit like a car yard. And so I pull in at home and, um, and I stop and I do a little bit of rocket science because I'm thinking, all right, now I'm leaving early in the morning, but this person has to go to life group tonight, but this person isn't home yet and they normally need to park here. So I stop and take a moment to try and figure out where I'm gonna park. This is what, this is what our home is like sometimes. And, um, and so the second issue to do with the paintwork of my car was around that situation. Now, the person at fault, who was not me, shall not be named for purposes of their dignity tonight. Um, now, third instance, Oh, my goodness. Third instance. I don't actually know what happened. Um, my sister just came into my room one day and said, you know you've got a, a dent in the side of your car? And so I go outside and I have a look and it looks like someone has literally pushed their shopping trolley into the side of my car. And so I fall to my knees, head in my hands, and all my money has gone down the drain on this stupid new car. It was at that moment that I realized that life and things were not going to be straightforward or easy. You know, Jesus himself actually said it like this. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, Jesus was very well aware that the lifetime that you and I spend on this earth is not going to be an easy one, that your pursuit of happiness is not always going to be successful. And you know, I think that there is such a freedom in Jesus acknowledging this. There's such a freedom in that because not only does Jesus acknowledge this, but he gives us himself, he gives us tools through his word to be able to overcome and we're going to look at some of those tonight. The first one that I think, the first key that we can have in, in knowing how to overcome in this life is that you've got to know who you are. You know, the wonderful thing about the Christian faith is that the moment of your belief, you are born again 
adopted into a worldwide family and are named a son or daughter of God. Our scripture for, for this series, 1 John 5, 4, simply says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. You know, this thought, it's a, it's a big focus for the writer of John of this book. Um, in the chapters leading up to this verse, John is repeatedly explaining the great love that God has for his children and his people. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Romans 8, 37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, these scriptures are clear. We overcome the darkness in our world, our own sinful desires, the things that come against us by standing firm in God's love and our position as sons and daughters of God. You know, I think that there's a couple reasons for that. Um, There's a couple reasons why we overcome when we know who we are. And one is that when we know and live in God's love for us, and then we love him in return, we're just more likely to do what he says. And that keeps us out of trouble. You know, for example, when we turn away from Christ-centered community and then find ourselves lonely, restless, and forgetting God, we've gotten ourselves into a spot of trouble that we didn't actually need to had we just have lived the way that God intended us to live. Whereas when we choose Christ-centered community, we live with what feels like a safety net around us, that in moments of worship like tonight, and the word, our faith is encouraged. There's great people around us to fight in prayer for us and to be a very practical and real support in our lives. You know, I, I think of um, Adam, and, Adam and Eve on, on page one of the Bible. The instruction that God gave them, out of every single one of the trees in the whole garden, there was one that they were not to eat of. But they did anyway And I wonder if maybe they had forgotten their position as people loved by God. Because had that had been in the forefront of their minds, maybe they wouldn't have questioned God's motives in asking them to do this. And maybe they wouldn't have thought that God was trying to withhold something good from their lives had they remembered that they were people loved by God. Back to our scripture 1 John 5, 3, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome for everyone, born of God, overcomes the world. The commands of God, the instructions, the way he has asked us to live is not burdensome. Why? Because those instructions help us to live an overcoming life. Because if he authored life, I reckon he knows the best way to live it. The first key to living an overcoming life is to know who you are. We're sons and daughters of God who are called to live the way that God asks us to live. And when we remember that you and I are loved by God, we can live God's way because we know that God has our best interests at heart. So the second key to living an overcoming life is having faith for the everyday. 
You know, that might sound pretty cliche, um, but faith truly is the connection point between us and Jesus. Our belief that Jesus is who he says that he is, is the open door between us and living a whole new life. Back to our scripture in 1 John, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, there's that initial moment where we have faith, that, where we realize that, that Jesus is who he says that he is. There's that initial moment. And then as we live it out, there's faith to keep going after that. You know, sometimes I've read these, these kinds of scriptures that, that says we are overcomers in Christ. We are conquerors. We are victorious. And to be really honest, I've struggled with them. Because my experience of life, and maybe yours too, is that we don't always overcome. We're, we're not always victorious. We, we don't always conquer the things that we would like to conquer. We don't always get what we want, both in a superficial way, but also in a very real way. You know, we do really want that, that relationship to function as it should, but despite prayer, it doesn't. We do really want that person or ourselves to get well, but despite prayer, they don't. And so if this is um, my and our experience of life, what does that mean for these scriptures that we've read and that we're talking about? You know, as I, as I read these scriptures and as I ask myself this question, I realize that Jesus' disciples, the people that we read about in the New Testament had these same questions. See, Jesus' disciples, Matthew, Peter, John, all those guys, they lived in ancient Israel um, under oppression by the Roman government. And see, to live as a Jew under, under this um, government in this time was a very difficult life. It's not what you would expect an overcoming life to be. These people, they were required to pay terribly high taxes, which caused them to go into terribly high debt and be in poverty. But the crazy, ironic thing is that this is Israel, God's people. The people who God had promised hundreds of years earlier, you will be blessed. The whole world will be blessed because of you, but yet they're under this government in poverty with debt. What? But see, the, the Jewish people, they always had hope because their scriptures, the Old Testament that we now read, always promised them a savior, a savior that would come and bring freedom to the oppressed. And so in comes Jesus into this culture, into this people group. Um, the, the people, the disciples are expecting a savior. And so Jesus starts ticking their boxes. They're expecting someone who will overcome and overthrow the Roman government. But then Jesus is killed by the religious leaders and the government. And so the disciples are left confused. Their hopes of overcoming are dashed. They're gone. You know, we know that, that Jesus came to life again three days later. 
and won a, won a victory over the world in a much, uh, to a much larger scale than I think the disciples were ever imagining. See, what the disciples defined as being an overcomer and what Jesus defined as being an overcomer were two very different things. The disciples were interested in a temporary victory where Jesus was interested in an eternal victory. The disciples were interested in a victory relevant to their time, place, and culture, but Jesus was interested in a victory that, was, that would transcend every time, place, and culture. And it's so comforting for me to know that when a particular victory that I am wanting to win doesn't happen how that I thought that it would, that I'm living for a God that has a much grander vision, that has a much grander purpose and picture for my life and the world than I could ever know or imagine. That even in the darkest, strangest, most confusing times of my life, I know that God is working it all together for good. And it is this that helps me to continue in faith every day. Not just a faith for a particular moment, but a faith that I hold to every day of my life, or try to anyway. You know, as the disciples spent more time with Jesus, they began to realize who he really was and what he really came to earth to do. And I think that it's the same with us. The more that we live with Jesus and are around him through worship, prayer, the word, his people, just living our lives the way that he would want us to, the more that we learn to trust Jesus with the stuff that truly, deeply matters to us, the more that we trust his eternal perspective over our very limited perspective. You know, learning to trust Jesus, to have faith every day has been a process for my own life. Um, you know, I'm currently going through the process of buying my first house. And um, the, the, it's like, what a time to be doing it. The, the, real, the real estate market is the Wild West right now. It's crazy. But, you know, I've looked at properties. I've put in offers on properties and it just hasn't worked out people putting in offers that are so far beyond anything I could ever manage. And as I look back on this process, in the moments that I were disappointed, I now am so glad that God in his kindness has been good to me. Even when it didn't work out the way that I, the way that I thought it should, I look back and I'm so thankful that it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. You know, and I look across this room and I know some of the stories of some of the people here tonight of how God has been so kind to orchestrate miraculous situations. You know, God is so kind in coming through when we need him to, but our trust is not in the outcome itself, but in God himself. That he is king and we are not. That he knows what he's doing. He knows what we need. And we, we are his sons and daughters that he delights in taking care of. So one, we got to know who we are as sons and daughters of God who are dearly loved by him. Two, we need to have faith for the everyday. And three, we just got to keep going.
So there was once a dad who had lived a hard life. He was um, happily married with his wife and many children, but one day there was, attack, there was an attack on his wife and his kids. They all died except for one of his children. So naturally, the dad became pretty overprotective of his son, and it came to his son's first day of school. And dad is feeling all the emotions of sending his only child to school for the first time. He drops his son off at school, and not long after that, he gets kidnapped in front of his own eyes. So dad chases after the kidnappers, but they get away. Dad is distraught. He has lost his wife and now all of his kids. He's depressed and alone and has no idea what to do. And then he meets someone who would become a very dear friend. They look everywhere, high and low for his son, but without luck. Until one day, the dad's friend gives him a golden piece of advice that would get stuck in our heads for many years to come. She says, hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills, when life gets you down, you know what you got to do? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. So the dad is Marlin, the clownfish, which I actually... <laughs> I was watching some of you, like like realize halfway through and that was <laughs> that was so great anyway Marlon the clownfish um that's the dad and the friend is Dory and the son is our good friend Nemo um that movie it came out 18 years ago how how wild is that yeah right crazy you know, I think that, that this thought, though, to just keep swimming, to just keep going, is a very significant one for you and I as we live a life of faith. You know, I think this thought is reflected in John's writings um, right throughout this book and in the other books that he wrote. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and the Father. And this kind of language is very similar to what we see him writing of Jesus in, in the book of John, the Gospel of John, where he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. The key to living an overcoming life with Jesus is to know, remember, and stand on the love that he has for us. And we spoke about that in our first point tonight but we have to remain in it. We have to live in it. You know, this means picking up God's word again because we can't love a God we don't know. This means presenting our cares and concerns to him in prayer because that is an act of faith in and of itself. This means taking a day off, slowing down a bit because we trust God with our lives and not our own ability to make ends meet. This means that when we've got more than enough in our bank account, we pray just as much as we did as when we didn't. You know, God so desires that we would just walk with him, be real with him, do the work that he has asked us to do. But it's our choice whether we stay in that relationship or not. You know, as I look at the history of the Bible, I see a humanity that is prone to forgetting God, 
to thinking that we could do it on our own. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, the endless grace and mercy of God and some really great people around us, we have to keep going. We have to remain in God's love for us. It's that kind of perseverance, endurance, grit that builds a spectacular life of faith. One that will bless generations and build a satisfying life. One that is not shaken by the wind and the waves that come, but one that is unmovable, steadfast, sure. We live that life by knowing who we are, by having faith for the everyday, and by just keeping going. Let's pray, church. Jesus, I thank you that your desire is just to walk with us, just to be near with us, just to be close. And so right now, Jesus, we take a step closer to you, both now and tomorrow and the next day and the one after that, because with you is an overcoming life. Because with you is a victorious life. Holy Spirit, we need your help. Would you encourage us, Holy Spirit, and point us towards Jesus? And give us faith, Lord. We need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.